Hello, everyone, and welcome to the California MBA's Connect podcast, our weekly podcast uh, where we interview uh, movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. I'm Susan Malazzo, CEO of the California MBA, and very happy that you can join us today. Before we get into today's podcast, I'd like to thank our Connect podcast sponsor, Incelerate. Incelerate helps lenders close more loans through better borrower engagement. The mortgage industry's most innovative customer experience platform, which delivers lead management, sales enablement, engagement, a robust mortgage-specific content library, and data intelligence, all in one comprehensive and highly scalable platform. Incelerate delivers dynamic technology, strategy, and content for every channel of your business to ensure engagement throughout the customer journey, whether it be your borrowers, referral partners, or any other party to the loan transaction. This dynamic enterprise solution seamlessly fits into your tech stack. Due to their advanced API connectivity, modern design and open architecture, gone are the days of managing multiple and separate systems and having your data trapped in data silos. This innovative platform allows you to provide your internal and external customers timely, relevant information based on data intelligence to build repeatable outcomes at each stage of the customer's journey. Close more loans, improve borrower conversions, enhance customer retention, transform your customer acquisition life cycle, and create customers for life. For more information, you can visit Incelerate.com or call the number listed in the description below. And so now we will turn to today's guest. I'm very excited to have uh, the first in my uh, kind of legacy in the mortgage industry guests, uh, Rob and Robbie Chrisman. Welcome to you both. Well, let me let me jump in here quick quickly, Susan. So first of all, Incelerate is a good company, uh, and I, it's nice to hear that uh, that reputation out there in the industry. Second of all, I'm glad you couldn't get any real movers and shakers for today's show. So thank you for having uh, Robbie and myself uh, join you. Oh my word! Oh my word! Um, I uh, I wanted to uh, also give a, uh, I think everybody reads the commentary and we are, everybody should be aware of the most famous cat in the mortgage industry. So before we get into actual questions, I have to ask how Myrtle's doing. Myrtle, and let's not forget Robbie's podcast. Uh, Myrtle is uh, large and in charge and, and doing well and is not happy that the winter is here because she likes to roam around outside and when there's snow and rain, yeah, she sits on the bed. So Myrtle's doing well. Thank you for asking. Robbie, I hear you're a favorite of Myrtle's. I think it's because I smell like rotten salmon half the time. So she likes to come <laughs> stick her nose around. So you're actually kind of, yeah, you're you're uh, you're moving the uh, moving the needle with that. Well, yep. um, we, you know, I'd love to start out the podcast with just asking people how they got into the business. I think, you know, it's common kind of you know, half joke in our industry. Nobody, nobody grew up thinking I want to be in the mortgage business. But I'd love to hear how you both got started. And I, whoever would like to go first. I was, I feel like uh, Bane from Batman, where he's like, I was, I was born in the darkness. So <laughs> I was born, born into the mortgage industry. Uh, I think my first job was working at Residential Pacific Mortgage when I was about 15, taking the BART train from. Uh, from Richmond over into the East Bay and at 4 a.m. and uh, college internships from there were in the mortgage industry. I, I raced bicycles in Europe right after graduating college, but got back into the mortgage industry with, with SoFi 
who had gone from student loans to starting to originate mortgages and uh, stuck stuck with it. It's, uh, I, it's weird. I'm, I'm turned 30 here in a couple months, and I've been in the mortgage industry for 15 years now. Half your life. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. As for me, uh, Susan, the, the tail is twisted in that I had majored in food science at Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo, went to work for Safeway, became disillusioned with that, went back to UC Berkeley to get an MBA from Cal. And between my first and second year in 1985, all of my classmates were going off to places like Morgan Stanley and Solomon Brothers on Wall Street making $3,000 a month, which was a lot for a summer job, bring back nine grand. And I saw a little notice on the bulletin board at the UC Berkeley Hiring Center. It said, California Mortgage Bankers Internship Program, apply here. And so I applied and went to work for First California Mortgage in San Rafael, stayed on there my second year. And then they offered me a job in secondary marketing when I graduated. And it was interesting going to work for a mortgage bank because I remember telling my mom what I was doing that summer. And she said, oh, well, that's nice. You can drive to work every day across the Richmond San Rafael Bridge. You know, a mortgage bank, what do they pay on deposits? That's what she asked. What do they pay on deposits? And I explained, well, a mortgage bank really isn't a bank. It's a mortgage bank and basically helps people get home loans and doesn't have deposits and car loans and so forth. So, and I've been in it pretty much ever since, and it's a great place to be. Wow, you heard it here first, folks. California Mortgage Bankers Association is how Rob Christman got into this industry. I want to make sure that we make that we make that clear. That's that's a, that's great. I didn't know that you were majored in food science. That's interesting. Food science uh, three times a day. <laughs> uh, you know, the Christman commentary is just so widely read in the industry. In fact, anytime you know, from the association standpoint, if I have somebody that's newer into the mortgage industry, I always make sure that they subscribe. because it's just a great source of, of, of information on what's happening in, in the industry. So you two have so much information to navigate through. How do you decide what goes into the commentary? Well, obviously there's news that comes out each day, whether that's stuff that, uh, like the economic calendar that influences capital markets or uh, FHA, VA changes, things like that. There's new hires that companies are doing. And uh, then there's the there's random random things that happen in the world that are tangentially associated with the mortgage industry that make it into the first paragraph. And uh, my dad's the editor-in-chief, so he has final say about what actually makes it. But it, it writes itself a lot of the time with what's going on. That every, every day there's new things happening in the mortgage industry. And uh, a lot of the time it's the, the commentary is too long and it's what do we actually cut out of it yeah i bet i i agree with what robbie said there there oftentimes is too much and mortgage banking mortgage lending in general is an interesting industry because so much of what happens around the world impacts our borrowers and impacts our the companies in our business and so whether that is political geopolitical you know weather all kinds of thing, things impact borrowers and our our industry so robbie's right sometimes it writes itself because there's so much going on and 
you know, what's relevant is whatever impacts borrowers. Unfortunately, there is oftentimes too much that impacts borrowers. So we have to, we have to narrow that down a little bit. And I found over working for, for many years on a trade desk, some things matter to interest rates and something some things matter to lenders, other things not so much. And what we try to do in the commentary is have things that are relevant and group them together. I could spit out headlines every day. And I, I do that to some extent if it's important news. But other than that, as Robbie mentioned, we also try to block information. We try to group it so that people can look mm -hmm. at changes from FHA and VA or changes that the industry is making regarding conventional conforming loans or you know, non-QM, jumbo, non-agency loans. We try to block those things together and group them or you know, upcoming events like so many of the things the California MBA offers to its members. We try to group those things so to give people some perspective and give them some kind of context for all this information that they get thrown every day. So it's a it's a labor of love. And I think that the the readership has grown and the podcast listenership has grown. I think that's because we try to give people relevant news. Right, right. Um, and it is, I mean, it's a great, uh, it's a great resource uh, for everybody in the industry. You know, one thing I've always found interesting, Rob, is that subscribers can email can respond to that and email directly to you and i know that you're i have an idea that your subscribership is is quite large i mean do you spend the balance of your days responding to people asking questions or commenting or making comment about what you wrote yeah i i joke that i try to never receive emails that say general counsel in the signature line because that <laughs> that typically means i've messed up or said something I shouldn't say regarding a, especially a publicly held company. So the people can write to me anytime they like. I try to respond. I, I always say that if somebody's going to take the time to write to me, I can, you know, take the time to respond. And many of my emails tend to be just general news sources and, and news news from investment banks that. Uh, have me on their distribution list, but yeah, fair a fair number of my emails come from people who have something to say about the industry, and I try to publish those more on Saturdays, those letters, because there is a lot of information there, and I think people in the business like hearing what other people in other parts of the nation or other parts of our industry are dealing with, and so they can read that and say, yeah, I'm having you know, trouble with appraisal delays, or I'm having, yeah, I wish, you know, TRID would do this, or I wish the 1003 would do that, or whatever it might be. And a lot of that input is very valuable. So I encourage people to write because a lot, much of that information is valuable. And then I'll write back and I'll say, wow, this is a great note. Can I publish it? Do you want your name associated with it? Or would you like it to be anonymous? And they'll let me know. I never publish anything that people just tell me at a party or a conference unless I ask them or unless it's relatively right. public information. So, but I do spend a fair amount, amount of my time replying to emails because as I said, if people are going to take the time and effort to, to send me a note about something, I can respond and it's obviously important enough for them to write. So why not, you know, why not be gracious and write back? 
Right. Yeah. Great source for all the information too, kind of, you know, from the industry generated from that. Um, you know, Robbie, you've got that great radio voice. Uh, I love the fact that you added the uh, podcast to the commentary. Uh, what are your plans for topics or guests in 22? Well, you're going to be our, our A-list celebrity that comes on here in January that I'm very much looking forward to. Ridership's uh, going to go down from that. But... <laughs> yeah, well, so the fortunately, the podcast, a lot of the material in it is based off the daily newsletter. So we can pick and choose what, what goes in and, and what things are better fit for just print, which I think the, the listenership appreciates. When it comes to guests, uh, I try and have a good mix of, of timely subject uh, experts that are, that you know, oh, the new uh, conforming loan limits change. What, what's the implication for lenders? Oh, the Fed pivoted on inflation. What's the implication uh, to, our, to our industry? Those type of people, I like to let sponsors send on people to talk about what, um, what sponsors are their product or kind of the, their subject matter expertise. And I, I think my goal for next year is actually to have more of my friends on because we're all reaching the age where it's, oh, I want to buy a house. How do I choose a lender? What was the process like? What would I have done differently? And I think that's very valuable for, that's for lenders great. out there to hear. And so, uh, hopefully, hopefully more kind of home buyers, first time home buyers and, and people that are looking to refinance or people that are buying a home for the second time in their life that I know, I like to, to have more of them on there to talk about their experiences. That's a, that's a great idea. Yeah. The perspective from your, your peers and your age group. Um, so switching gears for a minute, but kind of adding on to what Robbie's saying, what do you both see on the horizon for either next 12 or I don't know, can we even go out 24 months for the, uh, for the industry? I, th I think we're going to continue the trends that we saw in 2020 and 2021. I know we're just starting the year now in 2022, and here it is January already, and time seems to fly by. And I think that the initial months of the Biden administration have shown us that affordable housing and first-time homebuyers are a big effort that the administration is trying to make. But on the on the negative side of things, the, the regulatory environment is expected to get tougher and tougher, unfortunately. And we don't have the situation where Richard Cordray is trying to, you know, mark his territory, you know, leave his scent on various trees around the forest kind of thing. But with a, a relatively youngster uh, heading up the CFBB, he's only 40 years old. I think that he's trying to make his mark and he is trying to get some headlines and validate the CFPB's efforts. So it's kind of a two-pronged attempt here, given what has been happening with the administration with regard to the regulatory environment getting to be tougher, but also the administration trying to encourage first-time home buyers and affordable housing. And I'll, I'll finish up with that by saying that it's one thing for the federal government to come out and say, well, we need more affordable housing. But by the time that trickles down into states, cities, counties, neighborhoods, you know, I don't think any any of your listeners on today's call uh, want a, you know, 100 unit affordable housing complex built in the lot next door to them. And so incentivizing I don't know if I don't even know if incentivizing is a word, but incenting uh, builders to do that, communities to do that, local governments to do that uh, is going to be tough. And plus, 
you know, costs keep going up. Carpenters aren't getting cheaper. Faucets aren't getting cheaper. The permitting process is not getting any cheaper. So it's going to be difficult to pull that off in the next year or two. But in terms of lenders, individual lenders, I see a continuation of 2020 and 2021 in terms of monitoring their staffing, trying to become more efficient, trying to keep their costs down, trying to improve their revenues by, you know, selling certain, you know, executing loan sales in, in certain ways, specified pools and so forth. So trying to pick up a few basis points on the back end, but in the front end, just trying to be efficient and and help loan officers who are productive. And I'm going to add to that. I think this year we saw everybody was predicting rates are going up, rates are going up. And they, uh, I think the 10-year peaked back in July or, or so, and uh, rates haven't really gone up. What we what we have seen though is some refi burnout as uh, borrowers that were able to refinance have refinanced, and I think that will continue into next year. But the moral of the story is that basing your business model on predictions is not the way to do things as a lender. It's it's much more prudent to have a efficient and scalable operation, scalable in both ways, having good outlets for your production, things of that nature. Just making sure that the uh, everything is locked tight and and that's uh much better than than thinking oh rates are going to do this and that's going to affect my business this way yeah susan i think to add on to what robbie said there when i talk to successful loan officers or branch managers or even ceos they they hear about <coughs> predictions and they okay think okay rates are going to do this or rates are going to do that or the fha might do this or the va might do that but now I've got to get back to returning phone calls or returning emails, or I've got a closing I've got to get to, so Rob, I'll talk to you later. They they continue to to be successful almost one loan at a time. And I think we'll see more and more of that as we go forward. Yeah, interesting, uh, interesting times. These last couple of years have just kind of thrown a wrench in everything. You know, Robbie, one of the, the things you said about, you know, your guests and plans for the comp for the podcast in 22, getting more of your peers and people that are your age group um, to uh, to participate, I think is is really is really important. What advice would you give to young mortgage professionals just entering this this industry? Subscribe to the Crispin Commentary and listen to the Crispin really Commentary awesome. podcast. What? Be right there, I, right? That was that's, a that's man. No, uh, yeah, right. thank you. Job Such one. You already, Such you already a layer. Did that. <laughs> uh, I, I think that's good advice. And then I think understanding general trends in the industry, it's a very cyclical industry uh, and understanding how it moves from one market cycle to another. Uh, even for, for people that might be a uh, LO, you know, it's good to understand how a loan is underwritten. It's good to understand what your processor does. It's good to understand how uh, your capital markets department gets warehouse lines. The more facets of the business you can understand, the the better off you'll be because at the end of the day, they all work in conjunction and and they don't work without each other. Right. I I agree. I think understanding kind of everything about the life cycle of a loan will help the, the production line for sure. Um, so, you know, talking about, you know, people at your age group kind of entering the, the industry, Robbie, this in 21, the California MBA started a diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. The goal of kind of providing resources to independent mortgage bankers and our vendors in the industry for either um, 
developing or enhancing a DEI program within their companies. Because you know, if you're a big company, you've got the resources to do it. If you're smaller, you kind of need to understand how other people were successful, how other companies were successful in that way. Um, is this an area that is of heightened focus for the companies with which you you both consult? I guess that's me. Uh, I think so. I mean, well. I'd like to think so, but you go to these mortgage conferences and people that you thought would have retired 10 years ago haven't retired. And there's all this talk of young blood and young blood and young blood and blood. And it seems like the older generation just isn't ready to call it quits yet. But I think as I, as I alluded to with rates, any lender that wants to be proactive rather than reactive is going to, to seek out the best young talent. And uh, I, think, I think we are seeing trends in that direction. I know that uh, you know it is it is uh, important to a lot of our um, you know our member companies, both you know lenders and and uh, those that provide products and services. So we're we're hoping to uh, you know increase and expand kind of what we're offering in that committee in uh, in 22. Um, so Rob, you're a member of my board, and uh, I know you understand the critical importance of what the California MBA does from an advocacy advocacy perspective. Um, what can you share with uh, our listeners about why it's important for lenders to support the advocacy work of the California MBA? Well, let's let's start from from the beginning. When you talk about advocacy, obviously the California MBA has its Future Leaders program. That when you talk about diversity and inclusion and so forth, I think it's important for people to enroll in that, and I think that's a great way for individuals to learn about other facets of the of the industry including advocacy because there's so much that you and the California MBA do behind the scenes that impact lenders and I talk about you know individuals or branch managers or CEOs saying okay that's great what whatever the you know Mike Fratt and Tony says about what rates are going to do next year but I've got to go I've got to jump off this call because I've got to get to a closing up the street here in, in 20 minutes, the the advocacy that happens impacts everybody from soup to nuts, and they just don't think about it often enough about how things that happen at the government level, whether it's federal government or state or even county, impact our daily business. And it's amazing some of the things that that cross the California MBA's desk in terms of what the government is thinking about doing or what some whack job politician, whether it's far left or far right, or just naive about the whole lending process or about what we do, the proposals that cross your desk that you need to deal with, that you have California MBA lobbyists, you know, spring into action and say, you know, we can't have a $100,000 tax on every mortgage transaction. It'll kill the industry. And I'm exaggerating that to some extent, but we could do a podcast, Susan, on just bizarre legislation that has been headed off through efforts by the California MBA that would have had a negative impact on every lender in the United States because so much of what happens in the rest of the states is being influenced by what happens in California. Heck, 20 or 25% of the loans nationwide come out of California. And when certain things go start to go down a path that we don't want them to and the california mba steps in and rallies its members to head these things off the rest of the nation owes you a, a thanks for 
for those things. And so advocacy is is important. And I think it's important to be involved in that. So go California MBA. Go California. And I think that, thank you. And I, I um, you know, my background is in the mortgage industry. I'm from politics. And so I, I, you know, completely agree with what you say. But I think that also ties into what Robbie is saying is that people that at his age group, if you're newer in, in entering the industry, it is also important for you to understand what happens from an advocacy standpoint. Because like you say, there's, you know, a lot of things that, um, you know, that could negatively impact access to affordable credit. So that is uh, certainly the, the cornerstone of our association. So um, I want to, uh, I think that brings us to a close for today's podcast. Thank you both for joining us uh, for today's podcast. I really have appreciated having you both um, on, uh, on our um, podcast series where we are talking about legacy in the mortgage industry and multi-generations in the mortgage industry. So thank you for, for kicking off um, that series. And thank all of you for joining us today to access the Connect podcast episodes. You can follow us on our YouTube channel. We're also available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. We'll be back next week with another episode of Connect. See you then. Go.